You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The Evrial Trojan is interested in what's on your Windows clipboard. The healthcare sector continues its struggle to recover from SamSam ransomware. People raise the possibility that Olympic timekeeping could be hacked. Russian troll farms are barking at the U.S. House Intelligence Committee and the Czech presidential runoff election. Some notes on crime and possible punishment. And there are two new theories about Satoshi Nakamoto. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, January 22, 2018. A new Trojan, Evrial, has been discovered. It can snoop through browser cookies and stored credentials, which is unpleasant but not particularly novel when it comes to crimeware. But Evrial is different in that it also scans the contents of Windows Clipboard. And it not only scans, but it can also identify and replace strings of interest in that clipboard. Criminals are using this functionality to replace strings with code that can redirect Bitcoin payments to their own wallets. Malware Hunter Team, one of the discoverers of Evrial, says that the code is being sold on Russian criminal fora for the low, low price of about $27. It's become a very popular offering in the criminal-to-criminal market. Why, one might ask, is this useful in stealing Bitcoin? Here's why. Bitcoin addresses are difficult to type. They're complicated pieces of text. So the typical way people handle the addresses is to copy them and then paste them into the relevant app that's doing the sending. Since most people don't check their cutting and pasting, the imposture is likely to succeed. We've called the motive Bitcoin theft, but really Bitcoin stands for several other kinds of strings the crooks are interested in copying. Bleeping Computer, in their useful account of Evrial, points out that the malware is configured to recognize strings that correspond to Bitcoin, Litecoin, Monero, Web Money, Kiwi addresses, and Steam items trade URLs. How Evrial is being distributed isn't clear yet, so the best advice out on protecting yourself is that old standby. Practice good digital hygiene and be especially alert for phishing attempts. This month's wave of SamSam ransomware crests in the healthcare sector. Allscripts, a leading electronic health record provider, continues its recovery from the infestation disclosed last week. Its Electronic Prescriptions for Controlled Substances, EPCS for short, was restored Saturday. But other services remain only partially recovered. Allscripts is working closely with its customers to bring their systems back online. 
Here's something to worry about, Olympic fans. In between the tear-jerking and inspirational stories of hard-scrabble athletes and the obstacles they've overcome to reach the Pyeongchang Games, now you can wonder if all those wireless sensors that time bobsled runs to the hundredth of a second are being manipulated by hackers to tilt the results one way or another. Or so says an op-ed in USA Today by Betsy Cooper, executive director of the Center for Long-Term Cybersecurity at the University of California, Berkeley. And it's not just bobsledding, but also alpine skiing, speed skating, presumably luge, and maybe skeleton too. Why would someone cheat like this? Well, to speculate, there's always national pride as a motive, not to mention the prospect of lucrative commercial endorsements post-games. But here's an obvious motive. Why not just transpose anger at the Olympic Committee to an effort to discredit the whole process? It's happened with anti-doping doxing. So let the official timekeepers look to the security of their particular IOT. The game's open on February 9th. Twitter continues to notify users that they've interacted with bots from the Internet Research Agency, the now-famous St. Petersburg Troll Farm. This is part of Twitter's response to concerns about the platform's role in spreading fake news. If you know it's a bot, the thinking goes, you're less likely to credit what it's telling you. Twitter has pegged just over 3,800 accounts as Internet Research Agency trolls, and it's contacting people to let them know that they either followed or retweeted stuff from them. U.S. Senator John Cornyn, Republican of Texas, is among those who received a notice, and he's tweeted what they told him, with full approval that social media are, quote, finally waking up to manipulation of public opinion by our adversaries, end quote. In any case, Russian bots show no sign of scuttling into the darkness to avoid the light being shined on them. In fact, they appear to have shown a new flurry of activity over the weekend. Tweeting toward Washington, the bots call for the release of a FISA memorandum prepared by House Intelligence Committee staff. The memos said by the bots and others to be explosive, and perhaps good government would be served by its release, but that's not what they're interested in around Moscow and St. Petersburg. The committee chair, Representative Devin Nunez, Republican of California, is being asked to release a classified memo on alleged FISA abuses. Social media trolling is also on the upswing in the Czech Republic as the Czechs conduct their presidential runoff elections between challenger Jira Dreos and incumbent Milos Zeman. Radio Liberty says the trolls have for the most part been snapping at Drejos with a wide mix of scurrilous and outlandish accusations. In news of cybercrime and punishment, we'll take college cut-ups for 100, Alex. And the answer is... The former history professor at Adrian College accused of hacking the college president's and vice president's email accounts. The question is, who is former Jeopardy! champion Stephanie Joss? Miss Joss, charged in December with unauthorized access to a computer, program, and network, and using a computer to commit a crime, waived a preliminary examination and will appear for a pretrial hearing in Michigan on February 28th. There's also news of the Krakas with Attitude, those madcap hacktivists with a more or less pro-Palestinian bent, who succeeded in compromising a lot of email accounts belonging to senior officials in the U.S. intelligence community. The FBI popped two of the stateside alleged conspirators back in 2016, they're Californians, but the alleged ringleader was British. Kane Gamble, the alleged head cracker, was also arrested in 2016, but he was in England. Mr. Gamble, who was only 15 years old at the time of his arrest, 
appeared in Leicester Crown Court last week and described how he was able to impersonate former U.S. Director of Central Intelligence John Brennan to access highly classified information. Mr. Gamble's counsel argues that the defendant is on the autism spectrum. He'll be offering, apparently, a reduced-capacity defense. Finally, we turn to what may be the fever swamps of wild conspiracy theory. Or are they? Sputnik News reports that Natalia Kaspersky, Eugene's ex and co-founder of their eponymous security company, Kaspersky Lab, has said she knows who the real Satoshi Nakamoto is. He is, Ms. Kasperskaya says, no single person, but rather a crew of crypto experts working within the U.S. intelligence community. They created Bitcoin as $2.0, she said, the better to advance the Five Eyes' interests around the world. Crazy, no? Or is it? Other people have a different theory from another part of the fever swamp. Roughly that part that maintains NASA Goldstone is an entry portal for an underground network of caves used by gray aliens. This theory holds that Satoshi isn't even human, and that Bitcoin is the work of a rogue AI. So take your pick. It seems that Satoshi Nakamoto was either Jim Clapper or Skynet. Unless those are the same person. Come to think of it, we've never seen the two of them in the same place. But that's a coincidence, right? Or is it? Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com.
And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Malek Ben-Salem. She's the R&D Manager for Security at Accenture Technology Labs. Malek, welcome back. Um, We wanted to talk today about uh, some of the challenges when it comes to deploying some of these next-generation crypto technologies. Yes, so there's a lot of talk about uh, post-quantum cryptography and the need for developing new quantum-safe crypto algorithms, crypto systems. NIST is working on that. Their call for new uh, algorithms. And so there's a lot of talk among the community and a lot of focus on developing those algorithms that are quantum safe and fault tolerant. Um, But there's less discussion about the journey that it will take us to deploy these algorithms once they exist, once NIST publishes its standards for post-quantum crypto systems. How long would it take us to deploy this? I think based on prior crypto deployments, we can definitely uh, assert that this will take a very long time, probably a time by which quantum computers will be able to to break a lot of the existing crypto systems that we have today. So when you say uh, uh, take a long time, what kind of timescale are we talking about? Uh, so it's hard to predict, but uh, a recent study uh, about deployment of uh, HTTPS, for example, um, just shows that we're not there yet. You know, if you think about HTTP over TLS, that protocol, the TLS protocol, has been out there since the late 1990s. Mm. Uh, SSL has been published in, in the early 1990s. But uh, according to this study, only 69% of the top 100 uh, websites do offer HTTPS. And only roughly about 50% of them offer it by default. If you look at the top 1 million websites, that number drops down to probably half of that. So we have a long journey before we adopt these secure protocols. Um, The same applies to uh, DNSSEC, so DNS security extensions. In the early 1990s, uh, Steve Belvin um, identified a a problem with the DNS protocol, and there was an RFC published in the mid-1990s. But a recent study has also looked at the, uh, the use of DNSSEC, and they identified that it's still rather limited. Uh, For instance, while uh, a lot of the um, big domains apply it, so more than uh, 90% of the top-level domains uh, or TLDs and 47% of the country code TLDs are DNSSEC-enabled, the use of it is not deployed properly. A lot of these domains produce records that cannot be validated due to missing or incorrect records. So even if the technology exists, what I'd like to um, caution out here is that we need to work on the processes to deploy the technology. We need to work on training the individuals deploying this technology. So it's really time to start building awareness uh, about the change that needs to happen once we have these post-quantum crypto algorithms and standards. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, Good stuff as always. Malek Ben Salem, thanks for joining us.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.